Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast. Today's topic, harvesting annual reviews. Hi everyone, this is Mike, and welcome back to Manager Tools. You know, nobody likes preparing annual reviews. Not even me. Even those of us who are good at it know that far too often they sit on someone's desk unused forever. But during a downturn, annual reviews are an important piece of raw material that helps effective managers deal with a steel cage deathmatch meeting. Steel cage deathmatch meeting? What's that? Well, stay tuned. We'll tell you all about it. Here we go. I don't know if you've ever found, but sometimes in my past, it, I found annual reviews pretty hard to stomach sometimes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, if you can do them well, I mean, they take so flipping long to do. Yeah. If, if you're going to do them well. Yeah. You know, and everybody does them. Yeah. But only some of us do a professional job, and it just takes longer when you do that. And it's highly likely, and we hate to break this to you folks, but it's highly likely that there's a good chance that there's little distinction made between well or poorly prepared ones. Yeah, if they're sitting in a drawer, or if they're on a rarely accessed drive, or some intranet page, because HR's new thing this year was to make it easy for everybody by putting it on the web. So actually what that means is it makes it easier for HR to check on whether they're done or not. Right, not whether or not they're not whether or not they're good or not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if they're under the control of HR and they're locked away and nobody can get to them, um, I can't imagine a document like that does any good. Yeah, well, here's a good thing though, considering the times we're in right now. Right, is that if you've done a good review, if you've done it well, they are absolutely priceless during a downturn. Whether HR chooses to use them wisely or not, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're priceless. Yep. Because downturns are when layoff happen, layoffs happen, and the manager who wins when layoffs occur is she who is most prepared. And the way you prepare during a downturn is to have a one-page document that addresses key performance issues and successes, which you get by creating during the creation of the annual review. You don't wait until the layoff. You don't do what all the other managers do and scramble around the week before the big meeting where everybody discusses who's going to stay and who's going to go. You do that when you're doing your annual review and you've got the one page form and you keep it and you're ready at any time going forward in the next year to be able to talk about your folks' performance and to have them win, if you will, when it comes to who stays and who goes. Good. Okay. So I think we got folks interest now. So let's talk about how we do that. Okay. Um, six really easy steps, frankly. Once you're in the, the mode of preparing reviews professionally, these steps really aren't that hard. F- first thing we need to do, though, number one is we need to give a brief overview of what, what you and I have come to call the steel cage deathmatch meeting, which is, quote, that meeting, unquote, where, right. you know, Heads are lopped off. People stay and people go. Um, And then two through six are, first, you capture 
every one of your direct's performance against key deliverables. You also have to capture their performance against organizational value metrics. We'll talk about what that means in a bit. You've got to capture areas for improvement. It improves your credibility. You've got to project them into future roles. And then, as I think you and I've talked about, we've got to capture their potential supporters uh, for each one of your directs. So six really simple things. We're actually spend a good bit of time talking about steel cage deathmatch because I think there are a lot of managers who just don't know how it happens based on what we hear out in the field. Um, but then yeah. once you're going through our four-step process, actually in terms of preparing the review, really it's a two-step process, right? We had two podcasts, what, three years ago? Something like that, two, three years yeah, ago? Something like that. On how to prepare a review. And when you're in the details of preparing a review, it's not at all hard to create the document that we provide your steel cage deathmatch preparation document. Right. Well, folks have probably heard us refer to the steel cage deathmatch before. I, I, I mean, I'm sure we've talked about it. Yeah. But you got to understand what it is before we talk about all the other things. Yeah. Um, and this is all good thanks to a good friend of ours, Dan McGuire. Right. Who we've mentioned a couple times on the, on the podcast. Um, <laughs> and I might add to his peril. Because he heard us speak his name when he was crossing uh, Broadway in Manhattan during rush hour, and he almost got ran over because he was so shocked. Yeah, he stopped, and that's not a good idea when you're jaywalking. And and Dan, if you don't jaywalk, you don't have this. Yeah, that's right. exactly right. It wasn't our fault. It was your right. jaywalking. So yeah. we were working for for Dan, and mm-hmm. he uttered that phrase "steel cage death match," and we uh, immediately, before he even explained what it was, we immediately knew what it was. Right? <laughs> Yeah. And just to be clear, this is the meeting that everybody gets, you know, all the managers get summoned to in order to determine, based on guidance from above, essentially who stays and who goes. Someone's got to decide who's going to get laid off. And this is the meeting where it occurs. Yeah. It doesn't get put on calendars, right? I mean, it's not like everybody knows it's going to happen next Thursday. Sometimes some managers leak it, although professionally you ought not to. Yeah, and it's certainly not named Steel Case Deathmatch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good point. Good point. But the name still works. It's it, it's really almost a better name than any official, dry, formal name, um, because really that's what happens. A bunch of managers go into a room, and decisions are made about who is going to lose their job. Fellow managers, peers, associates, friends fight to the death to keep their folks, and. Basically, nobody comes out until the list is created. And so, therefore, steel cage deathmatch meeting. It's interesting because those who haven't participated in them have a few misconceptions about those steel cage deathmatch meetings that we probably ought to talk about a little bit. Yeah. And, and, And the first is that the names of those who are let go are decided at higher levels, right? I mean, if you're a manager and you're five levels down, folks think that, like, at the second level down, everybody th- that's where the decisions are being right. made. Is to- a bunch of senior people who really probably wouldn't know the people they're talking about. Basically, the managers think, based on what we hear, that these senior folks sit down with a bunch of paperwork up at a very, very high level and make some dry, odorless, emotional decision about who gets laid off, right? Not likely. Yeah, yeah, it's just not, yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess you'd like to think otherwise, but it is highly likely that your manager, the manager you're working for, right. is in the meeting where your name's discussed, right. 
where everybody's talking about you and it's being decided who's getting laid off. If you're getting laid off, your manager knows about it. Yeah. They know who they're talking about. It's real. It's happening. Yeah. And, and what's funny about that is that uh, there's an old saying, in, at least in the U.S., about, you know, we all hate the U.S. Congress, right? The lowest, lowest approval ratings of most any major institution. Um, but we all love our local congressmen, <laughs> right, uh, right. our congresswoman. Um, and it's easier probably to blame it on senior people. But the fact is, that's just not true. Your boss is probably in the meeting. Now, if you have a, a, a team lead um, who's not really a manager, who doesn't write your review or perhaps doesn't provide you salary guidance and so on, then that may not be the case. But your manager the person who writes a review and so on is in the meeting. And if your team loses more people, it's not just because or 90% because your team is on a project that is not as valuable because companies don't just look at the thing you're working on. Now they look at talent and skills. They look at the raw material, the energy, the engine of the future of the company. And that means your manager is in a meeting talking about you and whether you're the best fit for the future. And if your team loses a lot more people, again, it's not just because your manager says, well, you know, we're on the wrong, wrong project. It's also because your manager wasn't prepared, didn't realize that the project wasn't great that you were on and therefore didn't stand up, didn't have um, uh, the right work prepared so that he could make a case or she could make a case for why it should be you. Right, exactly. I just spent an hour and a half on the phone with a good friend of ours two days ago talking about this specific thing, which is he had somebody, they were making cuts. He had somebody that was on a project that probably was going to get cut. Right. Yet this individual was really, really good. And so we were walking through it's essentially preparation for the steel cage death match. Right. How do I save this person? Right. Exactly. What do I do to, to increase the chances that this person doesn't go down with the project, but we see him or her independent of that project. Right. Because right. we probably didn't hire this particular person for that particular project. Right. If they've been with the firm a few years. Yeah. Okay. There, there's another misunderstanding. Let's talk about that one. And the other one is that your manager does it by him or herself. They do it alone. Yeah, they just fill out a spreadsheet and send it into HR. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Get rid of the boss is told you got to get rid of three, right? She doesn't know why. She just told she got a you know a, a quota of three, and basically what she does is close her door late one afternoon, turns off her BlackBerry, tells her husband to just get takeout for one, and makes some difficult and one would hope heartrending decisions. And generally speaking. That does happen, but that's fairly rare compared to the steel cage deathmatch meeting. Right. In, in general, you may see the spreadsheet get sent in, but that that doesn't mean there hasn't been a lot of discussion before. Exactly. Right. The, don't don't confuse the the result of that spreadsheet with the fact that nothing else happened. Right. The director's admin is compiling a bunch of individual spreadsheets. A, a core spreadsheet was made. It's copied and sent to a bunch of managers. The managers have to put together some work, and their stuff sent. And then it's compiled at higher and higher levels, but it still largely boils around the steel cage death match. And, and look, in, in most cases we know of, a director calls together their managers and or senior managers. They uh, bring a number into the meeting that their directorate has to meet in, in, in terms of reductions. You know, it, it looks like this. Okay, she says, I, you know, 
we've got to cut 42. I, you know, I've got a rough idea of how it looks and I'll share that in a second. You know, I told you it was coming. I hope you're ready to talk specific. And by that, I mean names. And then the discussions begin. Now, to be, to be clear here, this cast is not about the steel cage deathmatch meeting. That, that's a whole separate cast or maybe a couple of casts. It's part of every manager's career. We've got, we've got to share that. This cast is just about how you can most easily get ready for that meeting, even if you don't know the meeting's going to occur. Since it's likely going to happen, this is how you do it. And some of you will be thinking, well, I don't think a layoff's coming, so I'm not going to do what Mark and Mike suggest when I do my reviews, but I know I can go back to my reviews and create these, this document, this one pager for each of my folks. And our suggestion, folks, is you not do that. And in a downturn, you want to do this when you're doing the review because it won't take but 15 minutes tops. If you have to go back through all the reviews, it can take an hour each time to get back into the details of the reviews and to have all the data together that will give you the details like supporters and specific accomplishments that may not make it onto their review, but could be valuable in a steel cage deathmatch meeting. Right. Yeah, we, all, we also need to mention here and talk about the whole concept of, quote unquote, protecting your folks. Right. Good um, point. Yeah. Yeah, because we're, we're not suggesting here that your primary motivation, the thing that drives you during this process, is team preservation. Right. Yeah, you're not walking to this meeting seeing every other manager as an adversary that right. you have to conquer. You're not going to do anything unprofessional. And this is not about being selfish. This process is happening in the context of professional manager behavior. Yes. Right. So that said, right, we, we talk about protecting your folks, but only as a way to help you see why you should be prepared. But the fact is, there's a good chance that when you listen to other managers, you might say that Joe is great, and yet you listen to Bob and you say, Bob, one of your peer managers, say, okay, I can see why you want to keep Anna, and I'm going to have to let Joe go. Right. But you're going to set the context in which that conversation occurs. Exactly. Because you're going to have facts. Yeah. Right? Okay. So what you will do, okay, let's just be clear about that. In the Steel Cage Deathmatch meeting, she who wins is she who is prepared. The purpose of this show is to give you an incredibly simple, almost stupidly simple, yet at the same time, at a later date, amazingly powerful way to be the most professionally prepared manager in a meeting where preparation is the key. And the preparation has huge consequences because the first time, the first, the first steel cage deathmatch meeting that any manager goes to Unless they've got a good mentor who told them what to do and how to do it. They walk in and they got a couple of scribbled notes and all of a sudden they're sitting in front of managers who have pages and pages of stuff. Whether it's organized or not is a separate thing. And they realize, uh-oh. So our point here is this is a way to prepare that's fairly simple, stupidly simple. And if you do this work, when it comes time for Steel Cage Deathmatch, you will be performing at a high level because you will be totally prepared. Right. And the first thing you have to do is capture performance versus key deliverables, which sounds pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's... We do that all the time, right? Right. And as you're going through your annual review is the absolute best time to do that because that's what you're looking at. Right. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. We're always measuring our team members against key deliverables. And I, I suppose we ought to say, look, if we're not, if, if somebody out there is not, either because 
we didn't set goals for them, right? Because you can't measure them against a non-goal, I guess. Or because we don't want to hold them accountable, you're going to become one of the managers with directs. Both you and the directs are at risk in the steel cage death match because you might think it's softer and nicer and you don't want to hold people's feet to the fire, but then you don't have good key performance metrics and you can't measure them against those deliverables when it comes time for the review and you won't have good raw material for your preparation to defend them when their job is on the line. When the organization looks at cutting, it looks first for how well any single person has met his or her goals. If they have no goals or they haven't been measured against goals that are vague or uncertain or whatever, it'll be as if they didn't achieve anything. And you're going to go into the meeting with weak, holy, not solid preparation, right? So you've got, to the best of your ability, you've got to measure your folks against key deliverables. And you know what? It occurs to me, Mike, this is a good point to say, if you didn't do it this year, right? If you, com- coming up at the end of the year as we're getting, we're going through uh, uh, review time when when this cast comes out. If it if if you didn't do it this year, please, please, please spend some extra time after the reviews in in late December or January, whenever it is your firm does it, and make sure that you're doing it for next year because you know this downturn won't last three months, right? It's going to last longer right. than no, that. It's going to last a while. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Be clear about the objective measures. If you don't have any, obviously, like I said, don't let that happen again, damn it. Um, <laughs> don't relegate your team to the deathmatch meeting without any boxing gloves is really what it boils down to. Write it down in our related document, the steel cage prep form. My point is, if you haven't done it, fine, but you still got to go through their year. year you still got to go through their their performance. If you don't have it versus deliverables, fine. What, but whatever you do have from the course of the year, as you fill out the annual review and you're trying to figure out how to make people look as good as possible, capture anything you can use about their performance versus their deliverables. Write it down on the steel cage prep form, and we recommend you do that with all of the information we've got below. And the form is built around these key things, each of our major points. Yeah, it could be the annual review you're capturing from. It could be performance reports. Right. It could be stats reports. You got. You it, it could be quarterly. Capture. You could be quarterly reviews, right? That you did it the, the a couple Absolutely. of times previously during the year. It could be one-on-one notes. It could be project reports. It could be an email from a VP saying that was the best customer service or that was the best project management experience I've ever been through in this firm or something like that, right? Because that in the review, in the process of the review that we recommended a number of years ago, we talk about harvesting all that stuff, going back and reviewing email, reviewing project notes, and so on, so that you've got all the raw material there. Sorry, right. I, I get excited about this stuff. I'm just worried that too many managers aren't doing this, and it's frustrating. Right. Okay, so now you've captured uh, performance data against key deliverables, but the, our, our next point is... I think a, a great one because this is the this is the area where people yeah managers yeah. fail they don't think about you know it and there's and it's so important when we start talking about layoffs during downturns because folks are looking managers and executives are looking not only who's doing well now but who's the best fit going forward yeah so we need to talk about capturing performance versus organizational value metrics right you, you know you know the, a lot of times in movies they show a picture they they have a camera on the front of a car and it's focused 
right on the road, right right in front of the car. And of course, it looks like the car is going real fast because the, the camera is looking straight down. And as the scene progresses, the camera pans further and further in front and more and more in front of the car. And then finally, you look up and you see the road that the car is on in, in perspective to the to the entire landscape, right? That's sort of the difference between managers and executives. Managers are focusing on making things happen today. Executives are focusing on making sure those things are able to be done today and that the capabilities exist so that we can achieve tomorrow's objectives and, and three months, six months, nine months, a year from now objectives. CEOs think in three to five year increments if they're really doing their job. And the mistake that too many managers make is they just think only deliverables, right? Look, okay, so so what do I ask Mike says to himself? What do I ask Mark to do? Mark's got to do A, B, and C. Okay, he did A, he did B, he did C. Great. The problem is the people you're going to have to defend this to a, a level or two up, and maybe your boss's boss is going to be in the meeting, sitting quietly, taking notes. It's not just enough that your people are doing their jobs. The question is how well they're doing their jobs and what does that show about their capabilities two years from now? Because if they're not able to grow, if you don't believe they have potential, if they don't fit in with the organization and what the organization believes is important, then they might, in a close call, end up losing their heads. So look, a local manager sometimes is going to have some performance against deliverables. That's great. Okay. And yet, those higher managers are going to be looking for more than that. So you've got to pay attention to the parts of your organization's review system where the company asks you how your team performs against company values. And, and for those of you who don't know, those values do change. And, and in a few companies, they don't. Um, but in a lot of companies, every couple of years, those core, the, those key things that people are measured against, they change. There may be four or five that stay the same, and then there are two or three that are different. Now, look, most people would say, you know, that, that's the part I hate, right? Because I don't know, how good are they at X or Y or Z, right? Because what I'm worried about is whether they get their job done. But those sort of global corporate value statements really do have value in that steel cage match, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Basically, some managers will have nothing prepared. They're easy pickings. Some managers will have, quote, some stuff their guys have done, unquote, right? <laughs> but you're going to have stuff your folks did versus metrics. And then you're going to have stuff that shows they fit into the culture of the company, which is essentially, therefore, in the near term, the future of the company. Believe it or not, this is an area that is often a trump card when the going is close. And look, maybe it's diversity, maybe it's customer engagement, maybe it's foresight, market-focused, leader, collaborative, enables others, cross-boundary skills. I feel like a, a buzzword bingo guy. Global perspective, an analytically strong, inclusive team builder, cost-aware, value creator, development-minded, whatever. Don't miss this. Capture what each of your directs bring to the table when it comes to these higher level values that you're asked to re report on in end of year reviews. When it's a close call, your folks will win because you have data to support your position. Yeah, exactly. All right, folks, you're not bringing Superman <laughs> to the table. You're right. So one of the things you have to have in these meetings is credibility. Nobody walks on water. You got to bring to the meeting areas for improvement. 
So capture that on the form because it's going to come up. Right. Yeah. A fellow manager is going to challenge your support or defense of a particular team member. And she's going to say, yeah, okay. He's good. He's got some really good analytical skills, but that guy's got a temper, right? And if that's the last thing that's said and you don't have a good response, suddenly what you just said before about how good he is may be just put him in a gray area. Exactly. And you got to have a response. Yeah. And, you know, it won't surprise folks that we're going to talk about behavioral stuff. But <laughs> when somebody says that to you, then you got to go back and be able to say things like, hey, he's aware of it. And if you remember what happened in September, remember that, that meeting we had where Joe said X? Uh-huh. Okay. He would have gone off on that a year ago. But this time he didn't. He's got it in his head. I think it's behind him. Yeah, even better, you could say, look, I'm coaching him. We've got clear goals. He's a third of the way through. I've got a couple of people here that I know I can point out that they've seen a change and they've commented on the change. And who here among us is uh, innocent of sin, if you will, or who here among us is perfect? The fact is the guy's good. He's working on what he's not good at. That describes virtually everybody in this room, right? That kind of response with details as if you had a coaching plan for all of your folks because it only takes five minutes a week during your one-on-one, that will quiet the room. Booyah. Booyah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the other thing that uh, folks often forget about is in these meetings, future roles are going to come up. Oh, yeah. You have to project future roles for your people prior to going to the meeting. In a downturn like this, when you're laying people off, it's not like, you know, six months from now or nine months from now, you just crank up the machine and all of a sudden hire back to the levels you were before. Oh, good point. These decisions today are going to impact the organization for a long time to come. Right. Well beyond the, the length of any significant slowdown that we're having. Today. Right. Yeah. And, and think about it. You know, if there are eight people at a particular level and we have to get rid of two of them, are we going to get rid of the person most likely to be able to be promoted out of that level? I doubt it. But if you're not thinking about future roles, if you can't say in the meeting, I can see Robert becoming the lead here. I can see him becoming a supervisor. I think in 18 months, he could be a great manager. Obviously, that that time frame has changed. And here's a couple of points that I have relative to that. If you can say that, that again is a discriminator, something that can make the difference in a close call between Two of your guys or one of your guys versus one of somebody else. Yeah. So thinking about this as you prepare the review means that you're going to be in a much better position to address potential criticisms of either of the future you might propose for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you think about it, when you write down Robert could be a manager, you say, okay, who, who, who's going to attack that? Who's going to disagree with that? What are they going to say? And playing devil's advocate gives you a chance to go, okay, Robert's going to be a manager. Uh, here are a couple of things I really like about it. And I know that somebody's going to say, well, but he doesn't have enough people skills because he's always working in his cube by himself and he's not very social. And then you could say, okay, how am I going to answer that? And you're going to put a couple of notes down there as well. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Now, do you think we could ever do one podcast where we don't talk about relationships? Could we do this just once? I'm, I'm going to, uh, next one, I promise. I promise. Okay. Soon. Because <laughs> our next point is you need to capture potential supporters. Yeah. And, and frankly, this is my favorite part. Yeah. This is the ace in the hole for the entire process. Yep. Some of your fellow managers will know. Now, they may not have written it down like you do, 
But experienced managers are going to be able to recall off the top of their head yep. some of this stuff. But they're going to know some deliverables that make their teams look good. And, you know, frankly, they may be able to compare them favorably to the company's latest set of values. Right. So so they've got a good they, they've got a good case to be made. Even if it's off the top of their head, they could still hypothetically make a good case. Exactly. Yeah. But no one, no one is going to be able to quickly give specific examples of behavior like you're going to do yep. that benefited other managers in the room. <laughs> yeah. You know, and when you lay that out there, they're going to have to agree with you. Yeah. They're going to have to say yes, that Thomas Jackson did, in fact, deliver on time and on budget his part of that latest release. And yes, she did actually do the grunt work and the analysis that led to the insight on that production placement work. Yeah. And guess what? When you have other people validating <laughs> your points, just that one specific point in the meeting, guess what? You get credibility for all the points you made relative yep. to this person. That, that's the thing. The fact that you're willing to discuss weaknesses and that you've got supporters, it makes everything else you do much more powerful. And rather than having everybody come in and fight, and look, if one of your peers, if Mike and I are peer managers, and I say, well, Mike, you'll remember that Joe did X on time and on budget. If it's in fact true, and Mike then attacks something else about Joe, that makes Mike look bad because Mike is not willing to admit that my guys have something good. I'd be more than willing to say, you know, Mike's top guy is super duper and she's awesome and we love her and we want to keep her. But if you reach out and say, Mike, you remember that Joe did this and that and that for you, you know, back in June when you were short. And Mike, I say, yeah, you're right. He is a team player. If everyone knows that's true and Mike then says, well, yeah, but what about this or what about that? That comes across as petty and unprofessional. That comes across as selfish. That comes across as the wrong mentality, the wrong ethic to bring to this meeting, right? So you look for stuff that your team has done, which has benefited other managers, capture what they did and what managers, what teams, what organizations benefited. That in the meeting, when you talk about what Bob did that helped Mike, for instance, that will create supporters of your other managers who could have been potential rivals in a manner of speaking, and that'll increase the likelihood that your team members will survive, all things being equal. And you know what? You, you can't guarantee anything in a steel cage deathmatch meeting, but you can prepare, and that means you can affect the odds. Because preparation and the odds in that meeting are causally related. And that's it. Yeah, this this has been great. This is a short one, but man, this is this is the stuff that is really going to distinguish you in these meetings. It's not only going to help you save people that should be saved because we're not talking yeah. you know, we're not talking about going to a meeting and, and saving saving you know saving somebody who's not worthy of being saved but you want to save your best people this is the way you do it and not only do you save them boy when you come out of that meeting you look like a professional yep you might have two levels of management in there listening to this meeting when they hear you go through your people in this amount of detail she can't help but come out of that meeting going like man wow he knows how to manage his people right yeah, exactly. Guess what? Because there's another meeting. There's another meeting after that where they're talking about you. Yes. <laughs> whether you get to stay. Yeah. And, and then and then they have to say, I got to tell you something. I don't know what you guys are going to say. I'll tell you. I listened to that guy. And this won't be your boss, right? I listened to that guy in that meeting. He was sharp. He was prepared. He had notes on every single guy. I actually asked to look at his form. 
And then in, in an ideal world, he'd say, and what is this manager tools thing he's using? Yes. <laughs> I, know. I was Get thinking it. that. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> uh, uh, we're so terrible at marketing that some of our best marketing might end up being done in steel cage deathmatch meetings. <laughs> that, that would be funny. Okay. So let me do a quick run through. Of the, uh, so we, we started out with a brief overview of the steel cage deathmatch. Hopefully we help people understand a little bit more about how it works. Again, this is not about just that meeting. It's about prepping for it and making the prep easy by doing it when you're already reviewing people's performance over the course of the year, which is for many of you, probably when this cast comes out, uh, December, January timeframe, it's easier to do it now. And, and when you're doing it, you're going through all their work all over the past year, and then you capture their performance versus key deliverables. You capture their performance versus the value metrics of the organization, because the organization measures those as well. And those are important at a higher level. You've got to capture ideas or areas for improvement because, again, as Mike said, they're not Superman, right? It gives you credibility. You've got to project future roles because the organization will look different. And so you've got to think ahead. You've got to think like an executive rather than just a, a manager with his head focused right or his or her head focused right on the pavement in front of you. And then lastly, the, the part we love the best, you've got to capture potential supporters, uh, show how things that your team did benefited other managers who are going to be in the room. And that will... That will be the linchpin. If it's really, truly still close, other people supporting your folks will make it a lot easier for you to end up with as much of your team as professionally responsible as you can keep. Good. All right, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. All right, that's it, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you all again next week. If you haven't been there lately, join us on the discussion forums, www.managertools.com forward slash forums. We'll see you there. So long, folks.